When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Smart running to his right, gives it right back, and throws it down! Oh, my goodness! Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast, presented by Celtics Life. What does that mean? We'll let you know in a minute. Ben Vallis here, or as I go by on Reddit, Brutal Gash. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're doing well. Also with us, as usual, from over there in beautiful New Zealand, it's Joe, a.k.a. No Scrooge McFly. Joe, how's things, buddy? Not too bad. Just had uh, nine holes at uh, the local golf course. One of two of which I'm a member. I feel like I've mentioned that before. Once or twice. Once or twice. Yeah, yeah, no, so life's not too bad out here. So okay, nice, so you're nice and relaxed. Here. It's good to hear. <laughs> I am right now at this minute. Uh, <laughs> we'll take it. There's plenty of stresses. The world, the, there's so many worries in this world, Ben. But who's here to he- hear about that? We'll, we'll see how long we go tonight. We'll see. We'll see what we get to. And look, we're also very happy to welcome back longtime friend of the show, La Bird 33. La Bird, how's it going, man? Good. Happy to be here. Hopefully, it goes better than my last time. I'm always so nervous talking to you guys. Dude, uh, last time you came on, I said that the last time you came on was the most popular episode we had, and I think you did usurp that last time you were on, so you've got a a good thing going on here. Fair enough, fair enough. Anyway, welcome back. Now, look, we do have two announcements to get to right off the top here, and don't worry, they're both good news. The first being, we are joining the very wonderful online platform known as Celtics Life, hence this podcast is now presented by Celtics Life. Shout out to JR and the team over there who have been Super warm and accommodating while uh, we've hashed this out, details and such, over the last week or so. We're really excited to be working with them going forward, and we can't wait to see what comes of that. Uh, so what does all that mean for this podcast? Great well, question. Not much, <laughs> but we think we have a pretty decent little show here, and like the idea is to put ourselves in a position to present it to a wider audience, hence this partnership, if you can call it that. Uh, and potentially access a wider array of guests and resources and such in Celtics land. For the people listening, you know, who might be tuning in for the first time via Celtics Life and, you know, they're listening out of morbid curiosity and, you know, they might be wondering, you know, do I really need another Celtic podcast? I'm here to assure you. No, no, you definitely don't. You don't. There's way too many. There's way too many podcasts. Ben, stop trying to force people to listen to these podcasts. They have other things they got to do. I will never you know, stop. Call grandma, you know, ask her who she has on the depth chart hire at Romeo Link for Aaron Naismith. You know, reach out to your friends and family. As Stop far, listening to the podcast. As far as I'm aware, <laughs> we're the only Celtics podcast, 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 podcast featuring the sexy Kiwi accent. Contrasted <laughs> with the grating Australian twang. You can't get that sort of, you can't get that sort of dynamic anywhere else on the internet. We're a top 10 Kiwi featuring podcast globally, I believe, according to the, uh, the <laughs> iTunes Kiwi metrics that I haven't looked at. The other news, as I was getting to, was that LaBird33 is joining us on a full-time basis as a co-host uh, of this podcast. LaBird, 
You've been on the show a bunch of times already. Uh, it's always been a pleasure to have you on. I know that Jackson and Joe feel the same way, so we're really happy to welcome you aboard officially. Can you maybe introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners who aren't familiar with you and your work? Sure, sure. You know, I, I'm an I'm a obsessed Celtic fan who's been following the team, you know, religiously my entire life. My dad used to take me to the Boston Garden as a baby. And, you know, when I say religiously, I'm only semi, you know, not usually exaggerating. You know, one Christmas, my dad <laughs> gave me a, a Larry Bird autobiography and told me it was the Bible and I still keep it on my nightstand, you know, every <laughs> night. So, but, uh, you know, we eventually moved to Seattle and uh, to stay connected, you know, I've been extremely active in online Celtic communities dating back to when I was a kid, like, you know, the 90s, late 90s on the NBA bulletin boards and Usenet groups and then on the ESPN forums and Real GM and Celtics You're blog and now. Yeah, I was on Real GM for a while. And, and what was now, your handle you know, there? Was it the same one? <laughs> I think I got banned from Real GM at some point. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was Larbird33. I've always been Larbird33. And now on Reddit, you know, I got to say, like, Reddit has got some of the most insightful and in-depth Celtic conversations I've ever been a part of. So, yeah, I've been out there. So, if anyone's listening, you know, um, chances are if you've ever participated in a Celtic fan site, you probably read a lengthy post I've written or watch one of my dumb videos or argued with me about something. And, uh, you know, I just love sharing ideas of fans and uh, I'm just happy to, you know, be participating in it. As far as like this podcast goes, I should say that, you know, um, you know, uh, deeply involved in, in the fan community is I had like you know, 20,000 posts on Celtics blog alone. And, you know, some of my dumb takes, I think, would result in me uh, butting heads with some of my fellow fans. So a couple of years ago, I started a project where I just start calling up some of these people that I clashed with. And, uh, you know, I would coordinate beforehand, but we'd have actual phone conversations. And it was just super interesting to, like, you know, hear different people's perspectives. It was like the main thing was just a dichotomy between how people acted online versus how they were in person. People I thought I would hate or like just did not get along with suddenly were like best of friends. Um, so I turned that into a little series I was calling the, the Strangers Podcast. And um, through that, Ben had invited me on as a guest on this one. And, um, you know, he's now invited me on long term, I guess. But uh, I just, you know, to paraphrase Kyrie will be flat Irving. If you'll have me, I plan on sticking around <laughs> at least until, at least until the fans demand I leave. And then I'll probably, you know, get myself suspended from Reddit for arguing with them. But, um, but yeah, you know, I'm happy to be here. I just want, you know, honestly, I just want to say, um, I'm probably talking too much and that'll be a problem. You're going to have to work on Ben. Tell me to shut no, up. No, but, but I just want to say like, you know, uh, I wouldn't be coming on board if I didn't, you know, genuinely love what you guys have been doing with this podcast. Like, um, I think this podcast is very much a podcast of the fandom. I don't think anyone else is as tapped in to the Celtic community as you guys have been. And, uh, you know, you guys are covering angles and takes that nobody else is covering. And 100 episodes in, you guys are doing an awesome job. I've joked before that you being overseas kind of makes you the BBC News of Celtics podcast, but really, you know, I'm just... Hard correspondent. Just, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> just hoping I don't ruin what you guys are doing here, and I'm happy to be here. Um, I just figured you guys want to kind of introduce yourselves to anyone who might be first listening for the first time through Celtics Life. I'm I'm Joe. I've I've been around since Real GM days. Not much of a not much of a poster, but a big time lurker. Um, I guess I got into the well out here out here in New Zealand. Um, just I'm an accountant out uh, in a little town uh, in New Zealand. We the Hobbiton. If you've pro- most of you guys <laughs> on the internet have heard of Hobbiton, that's in the same town that I, I work in. Um, anyway, digress. Um, really got into the Celtics. Uh, 
my first memory of him actually is watching a uh, Microsoft and Carter video. Remember Microsoft and Carter? We were starved for hoop content down here. And uh, I remember Larry Bird making a touch pass to Kevin McHale on it, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then, that was uh, it. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that was a start. <laughs> then Bill Simmons came along, and then Rick Pitino. You remember that year he got fired, um, and they almost made the playoffs with Jim O'Brien. So it's about 20 oh, years. Yeah. That was a good time. 20 years going. I really enjoyed it. I was really hoping that team, and then I was, I was locked in following every game. And here we are. Uh, just very quickly, I, I used to live in Thailand. I grew up in Thailand as a kid, and I went to an American school. And I uh, actually came back with a bit of an American accent, which sometimes still rears its ugly head, unfortunately. No offense to the <laughs> Americans listening. And uh, uh, I was given a bunch of basketball cards by a friend, one of whom was Larry Bird. And he looked exactly like my Your friend was Larry him. Bird? What? <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. He gave you, gave you basketball cards? Whoa. One of the cards was Larry Bird, as I, I should have stated accurately. And he just looked exactly like my dad and his mates like playing footy. In a small regional town outside of Sydney when I was growing up, like 80s mullet, thin mustache, beer in hand kind of vibes. And uh, for whatever reason, that that really uh, drew me towards the Celtics. And uh, it wasn't until like 2009 when I got League Pass that I started watching every game. But if you asked me what my team was from a very young age, I would have told you it was the Celtics. But um. It was difficult to watch games. Like it was, it was like in card and stats on the back of cards for like until I was in my early twenties or like twenty years old, I guess. Um, so it was it was pretty hard going back in the day. But now, as you said, La Bird, as you said, Joe, we're just absolutely balls deep in the Celtics. We've got <laughs> access to all the content. Doesn't matter if we're in New Zealand, Australia, wherever you wherever you are, we've got access to everything essentially, and so we have the capabilities to to do a production like we're, we're doing right now. So we're over 100 episodes in. Joe and Jackson, shout out to Jackson, who's not here tonight. Uh, we've been doing this for ages. We're very happy to welcome you aboard La Bird and see where this goes with this, this partnership with the Celtics Life platform as well. Big welcome to any listeners who are finding us for the first time through La Bird or through Celtics Life. Hope you are into it so far. And with that, let's get back to business as usual, shall we? Let's get into it. So right, this it. is our last off-season podcast, the last pod before we get into actual Celtics basketball, right? Until our guys are back on the court. And we're going to start with a recent post titled, Prepare for Showcase Season, Celtics Fans, coincidentally written by LaBird33. Now, <laughs> get us started here, La, and then Joe, I'm really keen to hear your thoughts as well. LaBird, for the Celtics, what is meant by showcase season exactly? Yeah, people can, if they're willing, they can read the whole article. It's kind of one of my, you know, overly verbose uh, long posts there. But the basic idea is that, you know, I think this season more than any is uh, there's a lot of uncertainty about a rotation. I think previous seasons we had almost too many starters. And now we have, you know, who who's going to step up as either key role players off our bench or potentially someone to step in as a starter, especially with guys like Kemba and, um, and Thompson potentially hurt early on. So the kind of thinking of this uh, article that I wrote was like, you know, Brad, he famously tinkers with lineups early on. Like the first half of the season, he's notorious for playing with lineups. And, and you know, I, I mentioned that his his uh, stat guy, Drew Drew Cannon, I think his name is, uh, he, he I guess supposedly that guy, they, they get a lot of this data early in the season and use it to kind of formulate their plan on what the best lineups are late. So this first few months of the season, just from that standpoint, we're going to be throwing lots of lineups out there. I imagine, you know, there might be nights where Grant Williams is starting. There might be nights where Romeo Langford's getting a big role. Then on top of that, I think because we don't have really a, a lot of clarity on what these young guys can do, 
this is a huge opportunity for them to step up and assert themselves in permanent roles. And overarching all of that is it's a big opportunity for the team. Uh, and I know a lot of fans who get attached to these players might not want to hear it, but it's a good opportunity for the team to pump up trade value of some of these guys. So, you know, there's been a lot of examples that we might forget, but a lot of examples over the years of the team showcasing players, um, whether it's, you know, older players, they want to just get the trade value up so they can trade them out or young players are trying to include in a larger package. Lots of examples of us showcasing talent. And this is going to be an interesting season, especially because, you know, we've talked in the last couple episodes about the traded player exception. That's a really unique situation for us because we have an opportunity to to use that and take back anyone making up to about $28.5 And you can trade out players and picks as part of that deal. So, you know, as we venture into the, the next few months, heading into the trade deadline, if we determine that there's an upgrade to make and we can make a trade for someone who's like, you know, kind of that Rashid Wallace push us over the edge for a championship push like Detroit did, we might have an opportunity to do it. But um, yeah, it's like, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an, it's going to be a balance. Um, so Reddit user, I'm stepping on your, your uh, thing here, Ben, you usually point, point these out, but in the comments on that post, um, Squid Jim, Reddit user, he said, the dream scenario is that one or, one or two of our young guys will show they're valuable enough to replace Jalen Brown in the trade. And then some of the top guys, uh, you know, for some of the top guys might be available. And I agree with him. It's like, if we can get someone like Romeo Langford or Aaron Neesmith to become a viable trade asset, then suddenly they could be a key piece in a bigger trade for a, a big name. But the thing I'll say in response to that, um, it's got to be a balance because it's going to be tough if you see someone... So some of our young guys playing well, you're not going to want to trade them. So another user, uh, Down Eason, suggested he thinks that, you know, NBA teams aren't dumb enough to overreact to someone like Carson Edwards averages 15 points in a month. But put yourselves in, in that situation. If you see Carson Edwards dropping 15 points on average for a course of an entire month, you're going to be like, oh, God, that's guy's, he's the next Steph Curry. We can't trade him. So it's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And uh, I'm excited about it. Larry, can I just? Uh, I feel like Larry, Larry David. Um, can can I just can I just interject real quick? And can you clarify that point around um, essentially how we are able to uh, get a player making up to twenty eight point five million dollars using sure. this trade exception? Because I think there's, I think it's a really important point. And obviously, like I think the sort of received wisdom that's kicking around on the internet right now, which is correct, which is that. By itself, we're currently hard capped, right? And we can't take on, if we're just using the trade exception by itself, right? Yep. We can only take on like 21, 22 million worth of salary. But can you just explain the point, how it works? Because I don't actually know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a good, it's a good thing to bring up. It's something I actually mentioned up front of my article because I still see so many people who are confused about it. And rightly so. And I think the thing that people are confused about is that um, if you can't, you cannot include a traded player exception. So in our case, this 28.5 million exception, you can't include it with a player, say Daniel Tice, as an example, who makes 5 million and then take back someone who's making 33.5. Yeah. Sorry, I did the math in my head. I'm glad I got it. But you can't, you can't take back 33.5 million if you combine those two. So that, that people know that and it, it confuses them because what you can do, what you can do is you can trade with, and I'll give you an example, San Antonio. And, and you're right. The, we're kind of hard capped around 21 million, but you could make a trade with San Antonio where you send out 10 million in salary. So for example, 
and not saying I want to do this, but you could trade out Tice and Romeo Langford and Semi Ojale and, and you know maybe one or a guy, and you're sending out ten million in salary, and then you can take back Demar Derozan who makes twenty seven point seven million, and you utilize that traded player exception to do it. So it, think of it; it's the, it's in the title. It's an exception. So normally, if you send out ten million in salary, you can only take back maybe ten to twelve million in salary because it has to be roughly equivalent. But this exception allows you to take back up to $28.5 million. So although that hard cap exists, as long as we're sending out salary, you know, that hard cap becomes larger. So if you're sending out $10 million, that $22 is actually now it's now $32 million below the, the hard cap. And then it's no problem taking back a, someone making $27. All I right. will say as, as, a, as a caveat to that is that we also have um, a luxury tax. Uh, uh, there's a luxury tax um, threshold that the team might be concerned about, you know, getting over. And I think that might be more of a concern than this hard cap. But I mean, for the right player in the right situation, it's very possible. So I know in my article, I brought up Buddy Heald is a guy who I think is really, really available. You know, we keep seeing articles about how you can maybe get him for even a protected late first. Now, I'm not a huge Buddy Heald fan and a guy that makes about $24 million. And, uh, you know, he, you know, some people think he has a little bit like a head case tendency and, mm-hmm. and he's not a great defender, but what he does do is he shoots extremely well. He's an amazing three point shooter and imagining him next to someone like Tatum and Brown, who are primary ball controllers, having him to spread the floor. I mean, that could be a huge addition mid season, but do you do it right now? I don't think so. I think you want to first see what Aaron Neesmith can do. I think you want to see what Romeo Langford can do. So those are all things that we have to, you know, kind of consider during this whole showcase season. We're going to see how it goes and, and what we what we're working with. Um, quick question, um, that because we got a, a TPE for cancer, right? So that's like five million or something. Yep. So if we traded for a player using that, like, because we might want to add salaries, because essentially, right, what we've got now is we've got a twenty-one. It's almost easy to think of it like we've got a twenty-one million dollar exception that we can add salary to i know that's not actually how it is but that's how i'm thinking it with in my head you know so if we had like a we traded for somebody making an expiry making five million like i don't know ennis kenta <laughs> um, <laughs> we could we could then turn around and package that player that we received and then and it would kind of come off the traded player exception i suppose but like so we could then make it get a 26 million dollar player with that right have i understood that correctly that's a really good question that's one i haven't really considered too much because and i've seen other people mention this you can technically trade for someone as a hypothetical sending out 10 million salary taking back someone who's making 27.7 like um like the rosen example and as part of nba rules as soon as you acquire someone you can immediately trade them along with picks but Mm. not players so you could you could actually immediately trade the rosen along with picks for someone making slightly more and so this right. is what people are saying, like, you could technically go after Bradley Beal, who makes a little bit over $28.5 million. You just had to have to acquire someone and then include a ton of picks and then somehow entice them. But I haven't considered the idea of using the the uh, the $5 million trader player exception to acquire a player and then immediately ship that out. And there's one for Poirier as well, eh? It would be t- tricky to do, but... Um... That's the Danny Ainge 4D chess stuff that we that we expect, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, again, like I can go, I can like keep thinking about tons of ideas here. Another thing I was thinking was that I hadn't seen reported was technically the team could have acquired someone right now, and you can always trade someone um, along with other assets and players a few months after you acquire them. 
So they could technically they could have traded for someone immediately, say a Buddy Hield, for example. And then once he's able to be retraded with other players and picks, which would probably be before a trade deadline, which I think is going to be in March, they could have technically then packaged Hield with whatever and tried to take back, you know, for example, James Harden or something. But I think more likely what we're going to do, and I think Ainge has admitted this, he's not really going to do anything until the trade deadline. He wants to see what he's got. And it's also possible that we'll spend this entire season kind of in this kind of showcase season because there's even more options in the off season. So we might just kind of like see what we got, see who steps up and then kind of figure out where we're at after the uh, season's concluded. But Ben, can I throw this to you just to be pretend host for a second? Like (laughs) we've seen, we've seen right. A few issues, eh? Like we've seen like lots of draft picks just turn into like nothing but draft picks that aren't that sexy anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Are you not a little worried about about that about us being painted into a corner, right? Where we get to the like, yes, like we need to consider our options, but once that clock starts running down on that TPE, man, like we are not in the we are not in a strong um, negotiating position. So yeah, it's, that's that's interesting, Joe. And you brought this up on the last podcast we did. That yeah, we've got this traded player exception, this room to. You know, to to bring in a player on a hefty contract, but how can we spice up a deal? What incentive can we give to a potential trade partner to actually entice them to to deal with us? And and it you know it comes back to this this article written by by Larbird that and you said it last week, Joe. We need one of these guys to pop, and who's going to pop? And at the moment, that's unclear. And yeah, we have seen a lot of these draft picks kind of fizzle out and not turn into. Uh, or not reach their potential, I suppose. Shemi uh, Ojale is probably the king of of not reaching one's potential on our roster currently. Um, so let me throw it back to you guys. And, and, and La Bird, like you mentioned there'll be opportunities for Neesmith, Grant Williams, Shemi Ojale, and Romeo Langford. Like, why those four in particular? I guess because I, I would add Time Lord to that also. And like to add to that, who out of those players do you think is most likely? to rise to a level that they can be added as an incentive in a potential trade there where we can actually use that traded player exception in a mid-season acquisition. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm more thinking of from the perspective of obviously Hayward's not on the team anymore. So that, that leaves a pretty sizable gap in our core rotation. So we can easily just like assume that we're going to start Kemba and Smart in the backcourt alongside Brown and then Tatum and then a big. That might happen and, and that might be what we'll do out of the gate. But, you know, I, I really thought the team had a good thing going. Too bad we never got to see in the playoffs. But they had a good thing going where they had Kemba Brown, Tatum, Hayward, and then a big. So I'm thinking about someone stepping into that role. So I think the candidates are not necessarily the guards or the, or the centers like Time Lord. Although I think they will have opportunities, especially if Kemba hurt early. I think we could see uh, Tremont and, and Edwards and, um, and Peyton Pritchard all have an opportunity to get some minutes. And Time Lord, I think, with Thompson might be missing some time in the early season, it sounds like. So maybe uh, Time Lord will get minutes. But the main ones I was looking at is who's going to step into that Hayward role? So a lot of fans think it's going to be Grant Williams right out the gate. We've seen some really positive signs from him. He looks like he's got great intangibles. Hopefully he can be like our bigger version of Marcus Smart. The guy I'm mostly looking at, and I, I, maybe I'm a minority in this, a lot of fans seem to think that... Uh, they don't want to count chickens with him, but they keep saying that Aaron Neesmith was one of the best shooters in college. And I look at the kind of thing we're lacking right now. We weren't a great three-point shooting t- team last year, even with Hayward. And Hayward was a, probably our second best, most efficient shooter. So that's a huge gap. 
So my hope is that Neesmith can step in and be that guy who really doesn't have to do a whole lot. He just needs to play tough defense, and we've seen rookies like Tatum pick that up really quickly, so hopefully he can as well. And then he just needs to knock down shots. He doesn't really need to control the ball. He needs to have Brown and Kemba and uh, Tatum get him shoot up, shot opportunities, and he needs to spread the floor. So that's a huge, huge opportunity for him if he can show himself early on. There's a chance that he could leapfrog everyone and be starting. I know it sounds like a stretch, but we saw, you know, we saw what Miami did with some of the young young guys against us in the Eastern Conference Finals. The hope is that this guy can do that for us. So that's the one I'm mainly looking at. But all of them, I think, really, I mean, we're going to see a lot of experimenting early on, and uh, it's going to be fun. Like, I love looking. It's one of my favorite parts about following the team is following those young guys, seeing them improve seeing what they can become but part of me also is in the back of my mind i'm always gonna be thinking about that trade of player exception because i think that there's these guys could be shipped out so i'm like i don't want to get too attached to someone like langford if he starts looking like a real player because he might be a trade asset so well that's it really almost, interesting. You, i think you, i think you make a really strong point because like teams aren't just gonna give us a player a useful player to put in that trade exception just because they like us Right. right. <laughs> like we have used up, like our draft picks aren't going to be good going forward. Like we're going to be a 51 team for the foreseeable future. So our first round draft picks are like, mm, okay, whatever. You know, um, we, we're in the position where one of those young guys has to pop to go with the traded player exception to make it worthwhile for other team. And inevitably, it's going to be the player that does pop, right? That goes with it. <laughs> So, so it's almost like, you know, I think, (laughs) curb your enthusiasm, guys. When we see, like, when we see, when we see Langford popping or Neesmith popping, like, that is going to be the most likely guy to go because, because Tatum, Brown, and Smart are the core, right? And that's, that's it. Like, that's, you know, there's nothing else you can do. Yep. I go back to like 2006. Sorry to cut you off, Ben, but I go back to, you know, 2006, (laughs) seven. Shout out Mark Blunt. Well, even yeah, even after Blount, I mean, I remember watching Al Jefferson and Gerald Green that final season they were here, and a lot of the fans were like, "These are our guys. This is the future." And I personally was a huge Big Al fan. I loved Al Jefferson. Me too. And he was averaging like fifteen points, ten rebounds at like twenty years old. I'm like, dude, that guy can be a superstar if he if it goes right. It hurt. It hurt to see him traded. Like it was great to bring back KG, but it, it hurt. I was like, man, I still have a Big Al autograph on my wall right now. I love Big Al. So, so yeah, it's gonna be tough to watch these guys, and and, and you know, we're gonna be rooting for him. I always root for him, but part of me is me thinking, oh man, quick, are they just gonna become an asset? Quick aside, do you remember that uh, if you were on the Real GM forums at the time that the KG trade happened? Do you remember uh, the guy Kingley? Kingley 242 or something like that. He was like Al Jefferson's cousin. And like he let everybody know that the trade was going down. It was like a month out. So I could have gone down to the TAB and made a packet on the Celtics that year. There was genuine inside knowledge. But like you, I like the courage of my convictions. The problem with that, though, on those old forums is it kind of uh, encouraged other people to suddenly have inside information and so many of them were totally full of shit and oh, there's just sure. all these people who are like just like oh yeah i've got inside information follow me on twitter or follow me on real gm and like it's i think it's consistently a problem i go to the anytime i'm really 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 like desperate for some rumors just unsubstantiated rumors kind of like the weekly world news of nba rumors i go to the real gm forums because inevitably there's someone who's like listen guys my mom is the secretary for the celtics and she says we're going after her you know <laughs> love it so <laughs> So it sounds like there's two aspects here as far as any of these guys increasing their value. There's the, the 
aspect of increasing their trade value and and in being able to be packaged in you know, along with this trader player exception to to bring on a I guess a more defined experienced player but then there's the idea that they'll say Grant Williams for example improves to the point where he's a solid reliable contributor and thus his trade value shoots up but he's also contributing to the team every night and potentially even in the starting lineup. Maybe you move Marcus Smart back to the stretch six position. How do the Celtics then stand to improve by by trading Grant Williams in that hypothetical scenario? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, the the thing is, like, we, you don't have to necessarily use a trade player exception in that way. Like, I, I had that post a couple weeks ago where I'm like, there's a lot of ways you can use it. You can just use it to take on a couple not so great contracts and just get first rounders. So if we really fall for someone like Williams and he's looking looking great and the team's kicking ass, you don't have to trade him. But I just there is there are players out there that are kind of intriguing. And you know, I mentioned DeRozan, not a big DeRozan fan, but one that like. I'm keeping an eye on is uh, Rudy Gobert. Like this is the final year of his deal in Utah, and from what I understand, they might start getting some pressure to to do something before he leaves them. So, if midseason it's like, hey, we'll give you Time Lord, who we've been like you mentioned, he's someone we might see some minutes from. We'll give you Time Lord. We'll give you lots of picks, and we're just going to go all in and try to get Gobert. That's a possibility. There's there's all sorts of kind of possibilities. So um, there's you know you can basically look at any player who's making under twenty eight point five million this season and kind of fantasize about maybe that's someone we could add to the team and it might not even be something that sexy it might just be you know uh lamarcus aldridge is someone that we talked about but like he's a guy who is a very classic like rasheed wallace type addition or Draymond green is another one where this is a veteran big who might really push this team over the top for a championship push maybe we go after him so you know it doesn't you know, then you'd have to balance. Do we really want to give up on Grant Williams? What is his ceiling? Is he going to be someone who will end up being Draymond Green for us in a few years? Or is, does he really have a cap? So there's going to be lots of conversations. Luckily, you know, we don't have to make the decision, but we'll get to watch and see what Ainge decides to do with it. Um, one thing that just sort of occurs to me as you're talking is that it seems to me that Tristan Thompson's actually the guy in that ideal salary slot to get us under the hard cap maximize our usage of the of the exception right because he's at 10 so 28.5 minus the magic number is 21 right so if we if we use tristan thompson plus 18 million of the tra- of the tpe we get there to get a, a, a full a full max guy and that gets mm-hmm. us gets us like three million dollars space under the hard cap uh, anyway just just a thought because like let's run it forward like let's just say like i think one of the best possible results for the Celtics this year would be that Time Lord actually wins the center spot. So if that happens and you've got Tice, like I, I I'm fully in favor of the of the Thompson signing, but um, but if that's the case, Thompson's surplus. Like we don't need three bigs, right? So um, so I wonder if he if he could be the candidate there to to actually make the salaries like the salary work, and then and then whatever else the other young guy. That pops as the uh, as the hook as the bait to to make the trade actually worth the, the while of the other team. Yeah, I mean, th- there's so much flexibility, and without a, a big on our roster like Vincent Poirier, like we don't really have that like that third string lack of quality big that is just expected to ride the bench all year, like Poirier, uh, and only come on the court for health related reasons. Like we do have three very good playable bigs there, so so Thompson or Tice. With those very tradable salaries, it's, um, it just adds to the flexibility that we uh, potentially have with this trader player exception. Getting to some Reddit comments on, on this post of yours, Larbird, user Sam Jones 24 
writes, I'm kind of desensitized to these trade rumors by now and just enjoy focusing on what we know slash have. Tatum and Brown will continue to take a huge leap and some mid-tier player like Aaron Gordon or a PJ Tucker might be more available throughout the course of the season. So, Larbird, you mentioned early in your post that a mid-season acquisition is, is probably more likely. Who are some of these other players? Like, throw some names at me in terms of players who could be potentially acquired by the Celtics halfway through the season before the trade deadline. <laughs> I can start so, if you like. I've got one yeah, on the tip of my tongue. Just start. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and start. <laughs> so, Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets is, uh, I mean, uh, admittedly, this name came to me two days ago when I was watching Gordon Hayward play his first game with Charlotte. And this guy is a bit of a log jam at the, at the wing position there in Charlotte. And I think he could be potentially pried away from the Hornets. And he kind of fits that timeline in terms of his age. His skill set is compatible with what we need off the bench, sort of like a spark plug who can defend, who can attack the rim, who can shoot. Um, That's a name that comes to mind that I I think that the Hornets might value less than some of the teams trying to acquire him. It's a great point. Uh, Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, like uh, we keep seeing people mention like Aaron Gordon. Maybe if we wanted to add another big, maybe he becomes available on the same team. Evan Fournier, that's someone who I think only has one year left on his deal. I don't know if he's going to stick around in Orlando. He could be a solid, you know, small forward shooter that we could add. There's lots of there's lots of guys that we could potentially add um, midseason. So again, so really, you can look at anyone making under twenty eight point five million and just kind of say, would this place player fit? What's his role on his team right now? Like even Brooklyn right now, uh, they have some guys <clears throat> that have been pushed to their bench as a result of Katie and Kyrie coming back. Are one of those guys someone you want to target? You know, that's all possibilities. Even if we just like are looking at a more small time deal, um, there's someone like George Hill is a decent shooter. Like if if Peyton Pritchard doesn't step up and and Waters doesn't step up and and we're not getting what we like from Jeff Teague, I mean, we maybe we just look to use just a part of the TP to bring in a more consistent backup guard. There's lots of different things that we could t- potentially do. Yeah, we didn't talk about the Jeff Teague potential resurgence and how he could be the guy who somehow increases his value and gets traded away. Um, <laughs> sneaky, sneaky uh, side story there. But yeah, I mean, there's lots of guys that theoretically we could we could acquire with this the room we have granted by the, the trader player exception. But it comes back to, like I said, what you were talking about last week, Joe, like how do we actually incentivize these p- potential trade partners to to do the dance with us? Because yeah, unless, unless one of these guys pops, then it's it's not happening. And I do think that kind of narrows the scope of who we could potentially acquire mid-season. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I'm just sort of going through a list of um, sort of players by salary. And um, <laughs> I can like, see you looking intently at your screen there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I don't know, man. Like, think about it maybe even the other way. Like, what if Gary Harris is looking pretty good? Um, are we interested in Gary Harris? Um, or is I'm morally some- opposed to the Nuggets. Sorry to cut you <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean, good version of Gary Harris is a nice player, and um, and it, you know he's a two guard, um, so it seems to slot in nicely there. But um, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like it's sort of like a player option, right? Like the player's going to exercise their option if you don't want them to exercise their option, and they're going to exercise their option if you don't want them to exercise their option, right? And it's like Denver's going <laughs> to... Gary Harris is going to be available if you don't want him to be available, and he won't be available if you do. 
Um, yeah, it, it, man, there's not a lot at that 18 slot, eh? Like, you just, you kind of, you're looking for needle movers, and, and it sort of looks like we kind of need to do the, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking, oh, man, the impact guys that may be available, you know, are in that, got to kind of look to that 27, uh, you know, million dollar range. Um, sneakily, I'd actually be fine with um, just us just kind of getting our Horford back. Ooh, <laughs> spicy. I would be. Um, it's probably not the best thing for us. There's a reason why, you know, we didn't match that contract. But um, Yeah. But yeah, Hield's good though. Man, some things about Hield, just for everyone to be aware of. Hield's salary declines. So he's actually, um, he's this is he's making 24 this year, but he um, he declines down all the way down to 18 by the end of his contract. Mm. Um, so that's that's you know that's certainly helpful because we've just got this ascending. You know we've got Brown, Brown's going you know 22 up to 28 um, over the same period of time. So yep. um, that's that's really helpful for us to help create you know cap space down the road. Um, yeah, um, there's you know the, this is always the trouble though, eh? Like the guys who can make an impact at that price range are going to tend to be unavailable. Um, okay. yeah, that eighteen range. So I think we've got to set our sights higher to like a Rudy Gobert type thing. I think Gobert seems like a more realistic target than Bradley Beal to me. Uh, I'll also say say here that like uh, you know, they they could also just wait until the off season when they can potentially use the TPE to acquire someone via sign and trade. But then you're you're dealing with another hard cap situation that's yeah. created by that. But I also just want I just want to point out real quick is because because we are doing the Celtics Reddit podcast and and now that we're you know brought to you by by Celtics Life, there's a potential. <laughs> I think it's possible that we're going to have guests on this show at some point. And I just want to I just want to say you know like I I, I totally a hundred percent support everyone on the team i'm the kind of guy that if you ever see me at the games you know i'm, I'm screaming for everyone i, I love the team and support them so i'm able to det- detach my my love and fandom of the team to i'm also just always been really interested in just like this part just like the transactions and stuff but i don't want to offend anyone i don't want to have like you know <laughs> someday you know <laughs> if, if carson edwards or, or romeo langford or aaron neesmith like we welcome you on this podcast we'd be happy to talk to you it reminds me of like years ago i had a pretty bad take on uh on Avery Bradley and Bradley ended up becoming one of my favorite players on the team. But early on, like I would always say like, I don't think this guy's big enough to ever be a starting shooting guard. I see his future as more like a Derek Fisher starting defensive point guard alongside a ball controlling superstar. I could see that happening for him. So like I got labeled a, an Avery Bradley hater from some of my fellow Celtics fans. And then flash forward a little while after, and I live in Seattle, but we drove down to Portland to catch the game and happened to stay in the same hotel as the Celtics and found myself in an elevator with Avery Bradley. And sure <laughs> enough, like I, t- I turned into, you know, I turned into it's that SNL sketch with Chris Farley. I was just like, oh, Avery Bradley, what's up, man? Big fan. Love you, man. You're the best. Man. Like, sort, uh, sort of sad, he, he was in there with, uh, with Fat Mel, who eventually passed away, and sadly. Mm. But but I, I, I was like, you know, a bumbling idiot. I was just like, I, I just, I basically said, Oh, Avery Bradley and Fab Mello, as if saying their names would, you know, confirm that I was actually a fan. I'm like, you guys are playing great. And then I looked at Fab, who hadn't got any minutes at the time because he was really early in his career, and he just kind of looked at me like it was also very late in his career. But I, but I said I just said to Fab, I'm like, well, I mean, you you you've been playing well in G League, at least you got to get some minutes. And then they laughed, and I was like, well, yeah, see, that's 
If only they knew that I had been called a massive Fab Melo and Avery Bradley hater, maybe they would have kicked my ass. But <laughs> anyways, the point is, as we discuss these trades, we love the Celtics who are on the team, and we're happy to bring you on to talk to you. So. Of course, we are shameless, shameless fanboys of the team, and the <laughs> roster is currently constructed. But look, before we move on, definitely go check out that post by Larbird33. It's on Celtics Reddit. It's on CelticsLife.com. I'll link it in the show, no- show notes for the show. Uh, it's worth the read, and mostly because it just informs you of the the many options and flexibility available to the Celtics. It's not sort of definitively here's what will happen. It's like here's all of the things that could potentially happen, and I think it's a good way to inform oneself of uh, what the future could look like. But until that potential midseason move does happen, we're quote unquote stuck, for lack of a better term, with the team as is, and we don't have options like Gordon Hayward to flee. To, to greener pastures. Joe, I know you had something on this for the last pod that we didn't get to. So how should the Gordon Hayward move away to Charlotte actually set expectations for Celtics fans for this season? Well, I, I don't want to make this point too strongly, right? Like it, it's just something to factor into the mix. And, and in, the point I want to make is this, right? So if you want to know what somebody actually thinks, right, do you listen to what they say or do you look at what they do? I think we know the answer. Yes. We, we look at <laughs> actions, what they... Actions speak louder than actions words. Actions speak louder than words, right? We vote with our feet, all that sort of stuff. Now, if Gordon Hayward... like, Okay, if you're Gordon Hayward and you're a rational sort of actor, right? Like, you, you wouldn't leave a team that you... No, actually, I'll, I'll phrase it like this. You would happily leave a team that you thought was not that close to the to the championship to go to another team that you thought wasn't that close to the championship now they could be one could be much closer than the other but there's a long way away from being the favorite right like there's a gulf from the real top dogs in the NBA and everybody else so between the difference between you know this 10th seed and the 5th seed right from the purpose for the for the purposes of championship contention is an issue that much. So, you know, you might say to yourself, all right, well, I'll leave this fifth seed and go to the 10th seed team to be the man. That kind of makes sense, right? But you're very rich. And to be rich, right? Like that kind of makes sense. (laughs) You're not, you know, if you didn't think you were giving up a real shot at championship contention, right? Like say you left the Indiana Pacers right now. Say you're Malcolm Brogdon, you're a free agent, you decide to go sign with the Lakers or something, or you decide to go with the Hornets. Like it's kind of the same thing, you know, really. Um, But, if you think that you're on the verge of championship contention or the team you're with is on the verge of championship contention, it's very unusual for you to make that move, right? Like, because it's a, such a step down in terms of, um, you know, your ability to accomplish something that you really want to in your career. So with that in mind, like just looking at Gordon Hayward's decision that he's made, what does that say about what he thinks the team is? And I think it's safe, and this isn't true, but I think this is what it says about Gordon Hayward's opinion of the team. It says that he thinks we're more like Indiana, that fifth seed, you know, than we are like, you know, like the, the Clippers, right? He doesn't think we're knocking on the door as currently constituted. Now, he might be wrong about that, but I do think that's what he actually thinks. And I do think that he's close to the process. And I think that says something about his expectations for Tatum. It says that he thinks Tatum is more like, you know, the 11th or 12th best player than the fourth best player in the league, you know, at his ceiling. I think that's what it says. Look, I could be wrong, but I just think it's something to factor in. That's, that's someone who's got skin in the game 
who's made a decision based on a lot of factors, but one of which is his 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 realistic expectations for the team. So I think we should just factor that in. It's a fair point. I mean, <clears throat> that was similar to what they were saying about Al, Horf- Al Horford when he went to Philly. He was like, well, he's leaving Boston because he thinks this is a, a better chance for him to win, which in retrospect sounds ridiculous because obviously we kicked the shit out of Philly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say it's kind of similar to that, though. I, I think that, you know, I, I get what you're saying. But I think it's a unique situation for Hayward. I mean, we made the Eastern Conference Finals twice with basically no help from Hayward. He he really was only healthy for one playoff game in his entire tenure. And I, I you know, this was something I had brought up many times on, on the forums and stuff prior. I understood him opting out. I was expecting to opt out just from the standpoint of like his role here was diminished. I thought he could have had a bigger role. And uh, obviously, there's a lot more money at stake for him. And I think that if he had stuck around, there's a good chance that while I think he's a good complementary piece to Tatum, like I think Tatum should be our more you know, our ball controlling player and, and our main star, that would I think relegate Hayward. If everyone's healthy, he might end up averaging like 12 or 14 points for us the next season. And then if he signed in a couple of years, I mean that's that's him in very much a role player role. And then he's not looking at a big payday after that. So I get why he's like, I can go to this team, Charlotte. I think he's, I think there's a good chance he can average 20 plus points for them this season. Sure. You know, I think that he can earn a bigger contract, even if he stays healthy, which could happen. We saw it happen with Grant Hill after he had a terrible uh, tenure in Orlando. He actually spent four years healthy in Phoenix. It could happen to Hayward. He might have four straight years of being healthy and then get another big fat payday. So I got it from his standpoint. I don't, I wouldn't, Personally, I don't think that he's trying to say that Tatum's not there. It might be, it might be the opposite. He might be saying Tatum's there. My role here is not gonna be what I want it to be. This is this is it for me. I'm gonna be either stay in Boston, have a very much a role player role, or move on and be the man somewhere else because I'm not gonna be the man in Boston. It would be very unusual for a player to turn down a great contract from a team that they perceive as having genuine, like genuine championship aspirations. You know, for twenty million dollars yeah. more over four years to go to a team that's just maybe going to make the playoffs a couple of times, like that would be an point. unusual career decision. And and I, um, you're you're totally right. Like I I don't I guess I don't blame Hayward for for doing it. Like um, but that makes a lot of sense if you're leaving a team like Indiana, which is maybe contending for home court advantage, right? Whereas Charlotte's contending to get in the playoffs. I would get that because to me it's like well. You know, life's too short, right? Like, not Indiana's not winning the championship anytime soon, and neither is Charlotte. So, I might as well go have fun and get paid. Like, I get that. Um, Joe, but, if if you're if you're a Hayward though, don't don't you figure that of all the players, if anyone deserves a fresh start, it's Gordon Hayward. If you're in this situation, aren't you just like that's three straight seasons of me being injured for the playoffs? It's just time for me to move on. Like, I, t- totally. you do the same thing? I, I would. Just, I, I would. He probably feels if, like he's jinxed at this point. I would if, 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 if I thought that actually, you know what? The Celtics aren't actually for real. You know, that's, that's, it's just, it's just a warning shot for me. It's like, that's a guy who's voting with his feet to me. And I, yeah, I yeah. disagree with him. I honestly think, I honestly think Hayward has made the wrong call for his career. Um, it, it you know it may not be and and look at you you make solid points look Hayward leaving may open a whole lot up for everybody else you know um but I would have liked to, for him to stay at reasonable money and I think that would have been the best thing for his career like it's just so hard to get a shot at a championship and it kind of comes back to some of the points that I was 
I was disappointed that he didn't come back sooner from his from his ankle. I was like, and Larry, I don't know if you listened to this point, but I was like, if it was Marcus Smart, would he would he have been out four weeks? Hell no. Marcus Smart would have been back as soon as humanly possible. And it's just like, it just disappoints me that Hayward, he doesn't seem to be quite that competitor. But anyway, he came back on like one. I feel like he came back on one foot. I do, I do give Hayward credit for coming back. I, he definitely wasn't healthy when he came back, and uh, yeah, I, I, I totally. I'm not I'm not trying to step on your points. I totally, I get where you're coming no, from. No, step I do think away. Is, I, I do think maybe it is. It is could be potentially tied to Tatum in a, in a number of reasons. Like we saw at the end of the playoffs, Tatum becoming more and more of our facilitator. Like he averaged six assists over his last twelve games. If I'm Hayward, I'm looking at that. I'm like even my main strong point, which is being our playmaker is not going to happen anymore. It's going to be Tatum. It's going to be Tatum all the time. Yeah, that, that, there's, that's absolutely true. And of course, would have factored into his decision, I guess, you know, to, to tie a bow on it. For me, I, I don't think that would have been a strong enough reason if he had thought that the Celtics were for real. So, you know, let's stick it to Gordon Hayward this year, boys. You know, <laughs> oh please, absolutely. Regardless of he how said, you feel, like Haywood said, you're a bunch <laughs> of happens. losers, boys. <laughs> Kick his ass. It's gonna get boomed. With the Haywood situation, we need to look back on a, a well-known principle, and that is Occam's Rogier. Uh, simplest explanation <laughs> is often the, the most common one. And dude, just you know, they waved a big check in front of him in the, in the case of Charlotte, and he took it. And and no one has mentioned Robin Haywood at this point, who is by all accounts a very um, by no accounts, really, by the accounts of, of strangers on Twitter, a very demanding uh, person and very influential in Gordon's decision-making process and inability to, to game as often as he would like to. Probably it was like, take the money, Gordon, take the money. All right, so we're going to wrap this up with a quick Celtics Reddit recap where we recap some of the top posts from Celtics Reddit for the past week. And given we're running out of time, consider this sort of a Reddit recap speed round, starting with a post by user Ronnie Shorts titled... Why the Tristan Thompson signing is so underrated. And Joe, you kind of touched on this earlier. I'm just going to summarize this post very quickly. This Tristan Thompson signing has made me think about the question of continuity versus flexibility in the NBA. He goes on to say, some teams, the most obvious example being the Rockets, have opted to put all their eggs in one basket and double down on a certain play style, small ball in the case of Houston. The most successful recent example of flexibility in the NBA is the Lakers' recent championship run. They had regular season success running JaVale and Dwight at the fives, but had the most playoff success with LeBron and AD surrounded by three and D wings and their roster allowed for this flexibility. I think the Thompson signing is so underrated for the Celtics because it allows for much more continuity without sacrificing flexibility. Guys, do you agree with this? And where do you rank our current big man lineup against those the Celtics in the past five years or so? And then I'm going to get back to the tradability of of the Thompson contract. Oh yeah, okay. Well, I was going to kind of uh, touch on that a little bit because that, that there was so oh, Celtics Life, who are our, our new partners at Celtics Life. Um, I was reading an article by Seth McCullough, and he he was focusing his on on Time Lord and whether he's ready to step into consistent minutes. Mentioned that Brad's been impressed with them in the first couple of days of practice, and kind of tying it all together with that showcase season po- point I made. Um, you know, one of the things I mentioned in that is I remember watching Mark Blount getting force-fed minutes and just it would drive me crazy because and, and a lot of fans crazy because we had Kendrick Perkins this 21 year old young guy and I was like this guy needs more minutes and it, and it was it was for the purpose of showcasing Blount eventually we traded Blount 
Perk got more minutes. And I look at that, and Joe made a perfect uh, point earlier, which is that, yeah, uh, you know, one of the first things the fandom said when we acquired Thompson is that's a tradable contract. That's a 9.2, I think it's somewhere in $9.5 million contract that we could potentially trade, potentially use it with the TPE. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a possibility. I mean, we could try to force minutes to both uh, Thompson and Tice, and then back wings, like the the real goal is to eventually get minutes to Time Lord. I mean, that could happen if Time Lord's ready. That's all things to kind of consider there. Yeah, I mean, Thompson's tradable irrespective of whether he's got minutes. I mean, this hamstring strain of his could be a real blessing in disguise for us, right? Like, if 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 uh, if either Williams or Williams, um, you know, it gives it gives a window for either of them to pop, right? Um, yeah. And and Thompson's going to be a tradable contract irrespective. So, um, yeah, this could be a good thing. But I do think he'll make, he should make an impact. And for all the reasons he mentioned, he's, he's going to be a rebounder, strong defender. I think in the previous podcast, I said, I kind of see him as like a poor man's Dennis Rodman, I guess is the, the hope that we have for him where he's just, you know, his motor's always going. He's going to get you lots of hustle points. And I think fans, you probably, you know, Celtic fans love that. So we'll, we'll probably quickly fall for Thompson. So he's, he could be starting for us as soon as he's ready. Um, I think that's possible. Yeah, everything that's driven me nuts about the Celtics, you know, over the last four years, um, hopefully <laughs> he's an antidote to it, you know? <laughs> Enos Cantor. <laughs> <laughs> user Rascal Mendez writes, there were so many times against Cleveland in the playoffs where I'd be yelling at the TV, man, I wish we had someone like Tristan Thompson. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. we do have someone like Tristan Thompson. We have Tristan Thompson. That's great. So that person's obviously for keeping them and not using that very tradable contract. Moving on, user RLS012 posted to the sub a tweet by Jared Weiss. Jalen Brown, quote, I've been in Boston for five years, so I'm a Bostonian now. I'm trying to get more engaged with the community and see where I can help the most, which is great. But it had me thinking, and I'm going to put it to you guys. Is Jalen Brown the second most Celtic-y Celtic behind Marcus Smart? <laughs> Do you know what I mean when I ask that? No, I think Grant Williams is more Celtic-y than... More, more Celtic than Joe. Really? Brown. I think yeah. that's kind of a hot take. Interesting. What do you think, Larbird? <laughs> Grant Williams, huh? Dude, Grant Williams is someone I definitely want to sit down and play Settlers of Catan with. That's yes. for sure. But, <laughs> but I, I get what you mean, like embodying of the, the Celtic spirit. That's a tough one. I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Smart is a quintessential Celtic player. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to maybe, you know, Thompson might be one of those guys that we look at in a couple months where, you know, Thompson's that guy. He's the guy that's out there. He's hustling. But I obviously I'm a big fan of everything that Jalen Brown does outside the game, and that just makes him a great person in general, and not necessarily a Celtic. Uh, great Celtic, it's just he's an awesome dude and someone we're, you know, definitely following his career in inside and outside the league closely. I think um, the thing that I like most about Jalen Brown was how he took that setback in his third year, like yeah, when he was really struggling, and uh, and then he came back and he just focused on being aggressive in transition, and it really spilled over. Uh, like he sort of found himself, you know, mentally. Um, and I thought that was a pretty impressive bounce back. Yeah, I think he's poised to step into even more of a leadership role for the team. So it's it's going to be cool to see. I mean, with with uh, Hayward gone, we're going to have more opportunities for obviously Tatum to step into that kind of facilitator, you know, primary ball handler role. But Brown as well. This could, could be a very big season for Brown. I, I'm kind of I'm. Hoping he's going to make the all-star team. I think he's he could have made it this year, and this should be the year that he finally does it. Mm. Oh, you guys are getting me so excited. Uh, and with that, <laughs> finally, preseason 
right around the corner we've got a game in a couple of days from now this was posted by uh, some guy called brutal gash some legend <laughs> uh po- possibly in an attempt to drum up con- uh, content for this episode what are your predictions for the upcoming preseason games against the Sixers and the Nets? 2-0, and 0-2, with starters usually playing fewer minutes in the preseason. Who emerges as the unlikely hero? Pey- Peyton Pritchard, I think, is poised to have that Carson Edwards-type preseason where everyone just overreacts and thinks, oh my god, this guy's amazing. I think that he could have some uh, a big preseason role. I think you always have to take preseason with a grain of salt, but that's a guy that you know I could see him hitting like five threes in a row and everyone just losing their fucking minds. <laughs> Yeah, um, I like your point about um, how he has a superhero name, like a Clark Kent, Peter Parker. It's a classic secret identity, I'm telling you. I don't know what his real superhero <laughs> name is, but Peyton Pritchard is very much, yeah, Lois Lane, yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. It's, the alliteration. The Fast PP apparently is the, is the name going around, the superhero yeah. name. <laughs> A uh, couple of a couple of Reddit shoutouts from that one. So user thirty six seven zero eleven twenty writes: We'll lose both games. Too many injuries and new faces plus youth. I think they agree with you there. Pritchard will uh, surprise in both games. User boss two nc writes: I don't care much about win loss win slash loss in the preseason, but seeing the unknowns play with NBA talent is a bit more exciting this year since we haven't gotten the full summer league experience. And then finally, Jadamian Steinblatt. Right, it literally does not matter who wins preseason games. Not even worth thinking about. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> definitely some truth to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, any any points to add to anything we've discussed tonight uh, before we wrap this one up, guys? Yeah, the preseason I think is going to be the the start of that. I mean, it's going to be that showcase idea magnified by ten because we can give guys like Langford. If I don't know if he's going to be healthy, but uh, Neesmith and Pritchard and, and uh, all these guys, Carson Edwards, big big minutes. And it's gonna be fun, just like like you said, we didn't have a didn't have a, a summer league this year, so let's just let them run with it. I wouldn't be concerned if we get our ass kicked in all these games. I just want to see minutes from the young guys. I don't care if Tatum or Brown or any of those guys get minutes. I want to see the young guys get minutes. I think we can preach like um, the virtues of being philosophical about it, but the reality is, it's just a. <laughs> It's just a petri dish for hot takes. Um, these two preseason <laughs> games, and we are gonna get some virulent, virulently strong hot takes coming. <laughs> so just enjoy them. Be a fan. Yeah, and we'll be here to regurgitate all of them and to come up with plenty of our own. In the meantime, that's gonna do it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the pod. Please subscribe, rate, leave a review and all that good stuff. It's very much appreciated. We'll be back sometime after the first preseason game later this week. Joe, LaBird, love your work, guys. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Fun. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks also to CelticsLife.com and the lovely people of Celtics Reddit. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Happiness that you mourn, you know the kids still dance, so we supply all the songs if I'm wrong.